Attention, Midwest firefighter. Attention, Midwest firefighter. We have a large wildland fire reported west of town near the Smith residence. All right, podcasters, we're back with another episode of the Midwest Firefighter, and today we're at the Les Lucre Conference in Kearney, Nebraska, and we were able to con in a couple special guests for us here. We got LJ Geist and Justin Mann. You guys want to go ahead and introduce yourselves for all the listeners out there? Justin Mann, um, currently at the Career Department at Edmond, Oklahoma. <coughs> uh, 15 years at Edmond. We got three years prior to that at an airport, and then a one-year service out in Amarillo, Texas as a volunteer. Uh, met my wife there in Amarillo, and she drug me to Oklahoma, becoming Oki. Nice. Cur- Oklahoma's God's country, man. Yeah. <laughs> current rank on the department uh driver engineer perfect lj you're up lj guys garden city kansas fire department career and then i'm a volunteer in the town i live in uh 14 years on the job last month i'm a driver sometimes i get to sit back seat sometimes i get to sit up front kind of depends on the day nice how did, how did you, LJ, how did you get into teaching? Because we sat through your class today, and that's kind of partially what spurred all this. So this really happened by accident. So two years ago, I was talking to a good buddy of mine, Justin Lorenz, and, and uh, Justin's on with uh, Oklahoma City Fire, Lieutenant Seven House. And I told him about uh, an article I was writing called uh, Street Level Leadership. Well, then he said, I think in that same conversation, he said, hey, you need to you need to come up with a PowerPoint. You're going to come down to Oklahoma and speak at the Mid-America Fools Conference. And I'm like, what in the hell is going – no. I, if there's one dude, I don't know enough about the job. I'm not that good of a firefighter. And the next thing I know, there I am giving a lecture on tailboard leadership. And it just it just has all taken off from there, all of it. And it's been, it's been super cool. I met some – just met some amazing people along the way, developed some – Heck, good relationships. How many times a year do you give this talk? It just depends. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty well booked until the end of March right now with it. So we'll see what happens after that. Well, that's good. You know, we were sitting through your class today and, you know, sitting with Kelsey and it's like, man, we need to see if we can con them into talking on the, the podcast because what you were saying aligns a lot with what we're trying to do here. Um, so we appreciate you taking the time justin what do you think of the class you guys slipped in for it first time i've gotten to sit in on lj's class and was thoroughly impressed uh the engagement level that he gets through the class was amazing as i'm trying to talk i'm getting photobombed (laughs) right come on man but anyways uh the street level credit you can tell comes out like that he's there for them. He invests time and effort to getting and establishing relationships with whoever he's around, whether it's at the firehouse in his community, at every conference, he's very personable. So, and that's going to go a long ways as whether it's teaching here or teaching anywhere in the U S it's going to making those relationships and bonds and connections, man, it'll take you a long way. 
You know, that I agree 100%. And something that I thought through the class that um, I really noticed was the fact that he said the hard things to say, right? Because a lot of times we go through schools and it's like, okay, this is a fire. This is how you attack it. Here's what you do. Here's this, that. Okay, here's how to be a leader. Here's this. Well, he told the truth and talked about this is really what it's like and this is really how to do it. And that's what's nice is people need the truth. So I appreciate that, LJ. That was that was good to hear. Um, it, was, it was fun to listen to, too. You were quite animated, and I appreciate the, the bullfighting story, too. So... <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people do. <laughs> so there was a couple other stories that you told, um, and a couple of things. I just made some notes here to talk about. Um, one of them was the house story. You know, uh, our goals behind this is to build a platform to where, as these current generations of firefighters are retiring, these younger generations have a platform to go to tap into um, information and knowledge. Um, and, and you kind of touch on that with your house story. You mind telling that? Yeah. So a mentor of mine in the city I work for, he's actually a police chief, uh, chief Pruitt, just such a, probably one of the most solid human beings I've ever met in my life. And him and I share books quite a bit and stories about books. And he brought a book to me one afternoon and it's called chop wood, carry water. And I'd never heard of it before ever. And he goes, you are really going to love the first five, six, seven pages, whatever it was. So I got to reading it, and it was one of those books I couldn't put down. But the first part of that book is talking about a guy over Japan who's a craftsman, and he's the most respected, well-known craftsman in his land. Everybody that gets a home built wants this guy to build their home because he's that good. After so many years of doing this, he goes, because of how their land works in their country, he goes to his boss to ask to retire because that's part of their culture is you have to ask to retire. And his boss says, yeah, I'll let you retire, but I've got one more job for you. And the guy wasn't happy. He was ready to retire. He was ready to be done. He didn't want to do it, but he, his boss really wanted him to. And, and he said, well, let me go and talk to my kids and my wife, my family, and see what they think about it, and I'll come back to you in a couple of days. So he came back in a couple of days, and, and he said, all right, I'll do it. And, and the boss was happy because it was a very, very important customer. So this guy goes and builds his house, but he puts in a half-assed effort of building this place. His craftsmanship wasn't where it needed to be. He wasn't happy because he had to build another home. Just nothing was done how he had built every other home his entire career. He finished this project and he goes back to his boss and says, hey, I'm done, I'm ready to retire. And his boss says, well, I got a gift for you. And he reaches down and he grabs a box and he lays it up on the table. And he says, I want you to open this. And in that box was a key. And he said, he said, congratulations on your retirement. You just built your house and here's the key to your home. And that story relates to us so much in the fire service because everything we do, we're building a foundation. We're building a home. We're building a foundation for future firefighters. And if, and if you don't look at our career and our craft like that, then why are you even here? I question your authenticity of why you are here because we are here to build the foundations for the future firefighters. Good or bad, we build a foundation. And that foundation has gotta, it's gotta stand the test of time every single time. We don't have a choice. 
And so, man, I read that story in that book. It's just, man, it just really got me thinking about my career and what am I, what am I doing? Am I doing it right? I hope I am. Am I building a foundation of future firefighters of being a recruit instructor at the academy? Am I building people the right way in my department by the words and my actions to them? So when I retire one of these days, I can look back and think, man, you know what? This house I built, it's been good. And it's and it stood a lot of storms. And it's made it. And I'm happy to leave this place right now because I know with what I've built and the foundation I've built and the future leaders that I've built, that they're gonna they're gonna stand the test of time and the storms. They're gonna face those storms head on just like those buffalo and everything's gonna be okay. Yeah, you know, and, and for us, we've always said, you know, leave the fire service in a better place. You know, you guys are career, we're volunteers, and we were talking about this prior to being on the podcast, LJ. It's like, you know, we get frustrated, and we have a, a podcast out there about, you know, the firefighter mindset, about the people saying, well, I'm just a volunteer. We discussed this. Fire doesn't care. Fire does not care. Whether you're a volunteer professional, it's like, oh, man, I got the career guy showing up today. I, I better tame it down a little. It doesn't no. care. Yep. It consumes, it eats, it's living, you know, and, and you said something else in your class and ties into your story a little bit that, you know, really kind of struck me um, today because I had never thought about it, but the fire service owes you nothing. I never thought about that until you said that. And I got to think about it. It's like, you know, if, if not me, who else would be here? Somebody will. Somebody's going to fill that role. That yeah. fire service owes you nothing, but you owe it a lot. Yep. Right. Exactly. And just not, Justin's been on the job about the same time I have. What's your thoughts on that, man? I want to get you in here. And, it's, and real quick, Justin, talk about your forcible prop real quick before I answer that question. Oh, of course. Here we go. <laughs> get on and then uh, answer that question for me. You're going to have to remind me of the question after. We will. No. Uh, so I am one of the partners, uh, three-way partnership in the Woods Forcible Entry Door Kit. Uh, we have a website that's Woods Forcible Entry Door Kit. Uh, doorkit.com you can go there check it out uh, we have basically our mission is to provide a much cheaper alternative to basically all steel props to be able to get it into the hands get it in every station bay floor to the people that have budgetary constraints whatever it is instead of having to spend upwards to ten thousand dollars for a forcible entry prop we're able to provide that for around $3,000, $3,500 plus freight. It's, it's an amazing deal. And the start of it essentially was about seven or eight guys that got engaged and got into the job, went to Lawrence, Kansas for an Irons and Ladders FE class. We sat in that class. Our eyes were opened. And, when, and honestly, it wasn't until the drive back that our eyes were open. When we pulled back in town, because we're sitting through the class and they're telling us all the information and all these you know, drop bars and security systems and all this stuff, and we're just like, yeah, we live in Edmond. It's really awesome town. It's very you know, safe and all this. We don't have these problems. You know? So it's kind of like, just push that in the back of the slideshow. As soon as we drive back in town, we're like, yeah, why not? Let's drive around the store real quick. And within one in, in our downtown district, between three drop bars, security gates, everything that they had mentioned in the class was all within one block. I mean, and so we were just like, huh, I guess they didn't know what they were talking about. And then it became a training issue. We had no actual capabilities of doing a lot of these things. We bought a prop uh, within six months. It 
basically was somewhat trash. It only had one door going one way. So you're only training your body, your mindset, everything on one way, one swinging door. And it became apparent. We trained and trained, did a whole in-service on it, department-wide. And once that door kind of got beat, it was just a very small prize zone. And so it was easy to cheat, easy to gap, but then, you know, just it, there wasn't a good training aid. And we thought, man, there's got to be something better. Between Lyndall Wood, uh, myself, and Brian Brush, it was like a little brainchild, and everything just started evolving. Lyndall was out there welding up just standard commercial door frames and trying to make a, you know, let's figure this out. And that one, I think, took one force, and it fell apart. I was like, oh, all right, back to the drawing board. <laughs> and then through the pieces of it and piecing it together, and the idea was to make it a kit, to make it where it will fit on a pallet, it can easily ship. You know, I mean, if you're talking about an all standard metal, there's nothing wrong with all standard metal props, metal props, but it costs more. It's harder to ship and everything else. So beyond that, we can get them to areas that other ones can't for a lot cheaper. Uh, to date, to I mean, just to you know, to date we have props in 48 of the U.S. states. We're no, 49. We're only missing Maine right now. So if anybody's listening out there in Maine, hit us up. No. So it's and, too cold to do anything up there, man. Dude, it was negative fourteen here. What are you talking about? Uh, so beyond that, like I said, forty-nine states. We're freaking humbled by where this has gone. It's been a five-year process. Uh, we've really, you know, we've changed things. We've added add-ons and different things. We're working on a couple of little things right now, just to you know keep adding to this. You know what people can get from us and train on and everything about it. We provide classes with it. We have basically we usually go through our training partner with training solutions josh piercy out of oklahoma city uh it, you know a little plug for him and his training company because it's a good relationship and that's really what we do as well as we partner everywhere we go we try to partner with these guys in training cadres to be able to provide them props and they can go and take it to location train on it and then if the department wants to purchase then they just they essentially leave it there you know they they pay for the class and everything else, and it might be a little extra charge to be able to basically just keep that prop there. So it's kind of a win-win thing for the training companies, for the departments and everything else. So uh, the two big ones, we've got three in Japan, and now we have one in, uh, I believe it's Seoul, South Korea. Nice. So That's that one, cool. yeah, yeah. We, found, we did it, the, the first, the Japan ones initially, we didn't, it was very... Like, didn't know if it was going to be really real. But then it was like a year after the sale, we got pictures, and they started posting things and seeing the prop in action. We are like, dude, it's real. Look at this. It's in Japan right now. <laughs> That's awesome. They're forcing our door in Japan. What was, the, what was the freight charge on that thing? It was actually cheaper to go to Japan than it is to Canada or Alaska. Wow. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. Canadian, Canadian border, man. For some reason, that's just – it's impossible almost to get up there. So – but anyways, that's kind of the story uh, behind the Woods Force Monitor Door Kit and how it came about. We just kept jamming things out, and we work with a fabrication shop that basically breaks and welds and does it all you know, off of a sheet, and it's a seamless process, and turnaround time is about six weeks from order, depending on where we're at in the orders and everything else. So but it's done. It's been a huge blessing to three of our families, and then we like to try to pass it on as we are. That's our whole mission this year is – from this point forward, we're going to dedicate and donate between the fabrication shop, the powder coat, and our time and effort to go out and give one away, build it out, 
do the in-service, do the training, and do anything we can. And so, and that's one, another reason why we're up here in uh, Kearney, Nebraska at the Les Luger Conference is to, tonight we'll be giving away the prop that we brought up and built out to the Seward Volunteer, which is gonna be a really cool story to tell tonight at the banquet and the connection that's made here. And then it's a huge tie-in with the Les Luger where he made his start, so yeah, it's pretty cool. And any future plans to expand your business other than just the door? Or? Well, I mean, beyond just we, I mean, we have like a commercial add on to where you can do door crushes and drop bar mounts and be able to, you know, cut carriage bolts and do all that. And then we have a lock sleeve that comes with uh, basically it's called the Brasky lock. It's a re reusable lock to be forcing locks and things like that. And chain cutting station uh, comes with some rebar. You can slide rebar, do your whole cuts. Uh, this Let's see, drop bar, commercial, lock sleeve, and the oh, window bar prop. We also okay. have a security window bar. So it's probably not, it's probably the least popular one. A lot of the commercial and the, the uh, lock sleeves get sold quite a bit. Uh, the window bar is kind of a, you know, niche in the area. If you have those things, then, you know, they can get it and train on it. So, but, and then the thing that's in the work right now is going to be the new jam sleeve to be able to do the baseball swing. And just because of, honestly, popular demand, certain people have come to us that we really validate in the fire service and said, like, we want this opportunity. We want the chance with your door to be able to do this. And it's like, all right, we're going to make it happen now. So yeah. we're working on that. So hopefully within the next six to eight weeks, we'll be able to iron everything out and start offering that out. So Well, and I was really impressed after, after class. I think you'd slipped out already. But uh, LJ was talking about how he likes trucks so much and truck crews, and he was talking about wanting roof props and stuff because he wants to work on his chainsaws and some ventilation stuff. So. Oh, yeah. Engine no. work. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord's work. Had to throw a jab at him. So. Yeah. yeah, for sure. But no, the the fire the fire service owes you nothing. No, that is one hundred percent true. And I think the other point to that was, and LJ brought it up in the class, is that there wasn't a single one of us recruited into this thing. I I mean, I signed up to go take the test. I applied. I wanted it. Now you, everybody has that feeling when you get the call, whether it's a volunteer, professional, and you get the call and says that they want you to come work for them. And that's, that's huge. And that is a huge feeling. I can remember the day calling my wife and just being ecstatic, you know, huge relief, financial relief, whatever it was for my family, everything about it. And it was a job that I truly, truly wanted. Like that is, I mean, I, I know I was pretty much in tears and just, I couldn't even contain myself. So that is the passion. That is what you have to try to keep through your whole career. Now, if you try to do it alone, you probably will fail yep. because man, as LJ stated again, we are relational people, right? We have to have those relations, whether it's within our family, leading at home, leading at work, everything about it. Because if you think you can just be a leader at work, you're probably going to fail because you've got it. I would essentially say you have to start at home, lead at home and it will transition everywhere else. Lead your family, lead at home. And that will transition because people will see it. Your family, everything will be better. But then at work, of course, is leading at work and letting the guys pick you up when you've got a down day and vice versa. Yeah, and you brought that up today and during the class um, when LJ was talking about a captain or lieutenant that was just off, you know, like, hey, what's wrong with this guy? And that's what's nice about a, a leader is, um, yeah, you are the leader, but a leader has to be humble enough to accept some help from other people when they're having a bad day, right? 
and I thought that story was great. You know, hey, what's going on? Well, he's a cattleman and, and had some issues. So um, another question I had for you guys um, was the combat mindset and what that means to you with your crews. Man, <clears throat> every day that we show up to the firehouse, you have no idea. What, and this is such the, this is probably one of my favorite parts about the job. You have no idea what it's going to bring. Yeah, you don't have a schedule, right? No. We don't say structure fire at 10 o'clock, lunch at noon, training at 1, PT at 8 o'clock. We just, we don't know. And that's the fun thing about it. You have got to come into work. You've got to come into the firehouse every day ready to rock and roll because you do not know. If you don't live in a state of combat ready, you have lost half the battle already. Hands down. You have lost half the battle. And, and that goes physically and mentally. Dude, it goes physically, I mean, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Yep. All of it. Relationally, yep. all of that matters. All of that is combined into that combat-ready mentality. When you walk in that door, you've got to be ready to go. You have to be. Yep. And it's not walking in at 7.50. If your shift starts at 8 o'clock, 0800 like ours does, it's not walking in there at 7.50 with a half-ass attitude. It's walking in there ready to kick some ass and go make a difference. Right. And if, man, if you're not about that, man, pack your shit and get out because I don't want to be around you. I damn sure don't want to go into battle with you. (laughs) You're a piece of shit in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and and that goes into that that trust deal. You know, we were talking a little bit after that class and talked to you about that book and and everything you were talking about aligns with that book perfectly. And and, um, I'm an employer. I've got 20 employees and – I do just that, you know, and, and that's the same thing. It's three simple rules to work for me as you show up on time. You have a good attitude, and you never, ever, ever lie, right? Yep. Like, we can fix a lot of things in this world, but we got to know about them. So um, that's what's fun about your class, too, is, is work-wise, fire-wise, et cetera, et cetera, life in general, you know, it all just kind of aligns. So that was good. Um, Justin, do you have anything to add to that on the combat mindset? I love the showing up, and that, that's, like, one thing I'm really – I am proud of our crew in Edmond at Red 3. Like, of course, everybody thinks that they have the best crew, but truly, like, Red 3, I, I'll put them up against anybody. And I love that, and I know Luke is – it's a good thing Luke's on a different shift because it would be a battle. He's the station just south of us, so if we had a fire anywhere near in the middle of that, it would be possibly a wreck trying to beat each other in and taking work. So – but with that, it's we have one one of our just as an example examples of that combat ready. One of our firefighter paramedics comes in. Typically, it's kind of a I don't think he realizes it yet, but there's usually kind of a race to get to work. It's always right around six o'clock, and we kind of push each other. I don't think he realizes it yet, but I like to be the first one there, which is a lot. It is really hard with my captain because that guy drives like an hour and forty five minutes to work. And he gets up at like three o'clock in the morning, typically, and then he's in there and he's hanging out, you know, and coffee's already got going sometimes, and he doesn't even drink coffee. But we get there typically, our shift starts at seven. We're typically there around six. Is that early? Yeah, I would say it is, but like now it depends on what you do once you get there. Our firefighter paramedic, he gets there and he legit goes and checks the rig out. He goes all the bags, makes sure everything's, he gets the drugs signed over as soon as the guys get up and out of bed to the point where it doesn't matter, no matter what, if they catch a ride anywhere in that realm of six to seven, 
they're free to go home. We're going to be on the rig. It's complete respect. And it, you know, either you can do it to a point. Some people do it to a point until the, it's not reciprocated. The other shifts stop. You know, they're coming in 6.30, 6.45 and not relieving you. And, you know, you can play that game of back and forth. But, man, what you do is you just come in, you set the example, you lead by example, and you keep doing it because it's the right thing to do. And then beyond the whole coming in at shift and doing that, every shift, every day, I'm a driver engineer. And so I don't keep – I got my little driver engineer compartment. And everything is set up as I'm a firefighter. I, one of our firefighters accused me of slowing down and being second in typically on fire on structure fires just because he knows I don't want to be stuck at the plug and at the pump panel and I want to go do work. That's not true. I, I'll get, I get them plenty of first ends, I promise you that. But I like to do work. And if I have the opportunity and we are second in or third in, I will. my goal is by the time that that park brake sets, I have to get out and get my air pack on and everything as an engineer. I'm already pretty much buttoned up. I can put my air pack and grab my tool, and I will not be, I will probably beat one of the firefighters. And that's just my goal. Yeah. So that's being combat ready to me. My gear is staged every, you know, during the ice storms or anything else, and we're running 22, 25 calls, whatever it is, and a lot of water shutoffs and just all this stuff. Every single time we pull back into the station, get my gear out, put it up, set it up for success, and then we're ready to rock. And it bleeds over to every person on the crew. Like, everybody's doing that, and it's just awesome to see. So, Yeah. Are you meeting the minimums or are you exceeding them, right? Oh, yeah. That's being ready to go to catch whatever life throws at you as soon as you wheel in there. So, Aaron, you got anything for these guys? I, it's, I, I'm looking forward to sitting in to your class tomorrow, LJ. I, I, I hear good things about it. Thanks, man. I, I'll be fired up. I'll promise you that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you come in with plenty of energy. So, um, no, guys, I appreciate you guys taking the time um, setting in. This was semi-impromptu, but, you know, glad you could hear. And anything you guys have for us, I guess. I guess one th- one question I've got for uh, LJ is uh, if anybody's got any questions or uh, wants to get a hold of you, how can we do that? Yeah, so uh, my email, personal email, G-E-I-S-T-E-C-F-D-17 at yahoo.com or – I guess uh, I'll give out my cell phone. It don't matter. 316-452-4394. If you have any questions, uh, feel free to holler at me. Uh, If you're interested in having my tailboard leadership class come to your department or to your area, uh, feel free to email me, call me, text me, and uh, I'd be more than happy to talk with you about it. And, uh, man, just people just got to keep loving the job, living living the craft. Don't be on the job. Be into the job. Because there's a big difference there. Yeah. Care about the people you're serving with because we all matter. And for us to, to make a difference every day, we got to care about each other, love each other, lead with passion, lead with love, lead with, grit, love with, lead with grit. Just be a good human being and make a difference. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I'll say it, you know, we, we went through this class today and, and it is a good class. If anybody's listening and curious about it, get in touch with LJ. Um, I've got his contact information too. If you, you didn't catch it, get a hold of me. Um, get his class. It is well worth the time. It is very good. Kelsey, you got anything? Just uh, last night at the roundtable, listening to you talk. You know, you just got some people that just makes you feel like you want to run through a brick wall. After your table, saying what you said last night, you know, it just had the energy to me like, 
I'm ready to go kick some ass, you know. So to be able to be around somebody that does that to, to me is, is huge. Thank you don't you. find very many people like that. Well, you know, I, 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 don't, I can't take any credit for that. I really can't. I've got to give credit where credit due. It's just hanging around like-minded people. And, man, I've got, I've got some guys that I just lean on all the time. And, and, man, Justin this weekend, he's become one of those guys. He's part of that crew. He doesn't know it yet. Uh, his buddy Luke that's with him, captain, you know, at Edmond, man, same thing. And it just I've been so fortunate to be surrounded by solid human beings that are, before being good firefighters or good company officers, they are good men. And, and that is, and they, I have so many good guys that just nonchalantly text me throughout a work week. Hey, man, how you doing? Hope you're kicking ass. Hope you're doing, and man, that stuff matters. And uh, if, if, you can, if you can get surrounded by like-minded people and do that kind of stuff, man, the limit, the sky's the limit, guys. It really is. So that's, that's kind of what I'll, that's kind of what I'll end on. Perfect. Everybody go check out Woods Forceful Entry Prop too. So go get you one if you don't have one. And uh, I just want to remind everybody to like our Facebook page. Check us out on uh, Instagram. If you have any questions, comments, drop us an email at themidwestfirefighter at gmail.com. And uh, be safe out there. <laughs>